Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is, it's November 1st. Happy November. We are here live. If you've got a question, today is Destination Health. Today is also the last live show of the week. Uh, I will not be here tomorrow and Friday. So jump in quick. We've got a half hour of free-for-all, and then I will be joined by Dr. Edward Griffin from Sovereign Silver. We're going to be focusing on exactly what we should be focusing on right now, which is your immune system. Uh, I'm working on giving mine an overhaul. I'm on the road. There's a lot more stress. I'm not sleeping as much. I've got events coming up. I'm going to be around a lot of people. I keep hearing about sick people. I trust my immune system, but I also want to make sure it's really functioning top-notch. So we will talk about that today. So jump in and join us, 855-950-3835. I really don't have a lot. I've been spending all of my time writing and uh, trying to reduce the stress load a little bit. I got up early this morning and it was cold here in Nashville last night. We got down to 27 degrees. I went out late last night when I realized how cold it was going to get. and uh, I didn't bring my heated hose with me this trip. I'm not sure why. I don't know what I was thinking or not thinking. Uh, so I went out and disconnected my water and sewer hoses and stored them just to be safe. Uh, this coach does really fine in the cold, except uh, if you've got you know your hose sitting out there, it will freeze. So I got up early before the sunrise and just uh, went for a nice walk. The scenery around here is awesome. It's a great place to walk. The sun was just coming up and it was absolutely spectacular. All right. Uh, we're just going to get to the calls. If you want to jump in, 855-950-3835. Anything goes, as long as it's got something to do with health. We'll talk about it today. Uh, if we have calls left over when Dr. Griffin joins us, we'll uh, we'll take those together. So you can get a two for today, a BOGO. Let's, uh, let's get to the phone calls. Let's go to Kentucky. Jerry, welcome to the program. Well, good morning, Kevin. I'm just doing great sitting there eating pumpkin spice nut butter on monkey brittle, and life is good. It just doesn't Thanks get any asking. better. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So, <laughs> I know you got a guess, so I got a really quick question about cooking. Uh, let me get the, the background uh, set up so the question will make sense. I am very seldom at my house, and when I am, it's for indeterminate amount of times. I absolutely I have a, a standalone uh, sous vide cooker. Uh, it's got a base and its own self-contained uh, container. So anyway, the way I cook a ribeye steak is I keep a couple of them in the freezer and I pop it in frozen when I get back home in cold water. And by the time it's thawed out, it starts cooking in about an hour and 15 minutes later or something. It doesn't matter how long it is. I plop it in a hot skillet and I've got a perfectly cooked ribeye. So my question is this. Right at the end of yesterday's show, you were chatting with Bruce about a dry brine. Would that dry brine on a ribeye seal, vacuum sealed in a container and frozen come out with the same results and benefits of a dry brine just sitting in the refrigerator? What we would want to do is we pick the time we like brining it prior to freezing it. Once you freeze it, all that brining action is going to stop, which is a good thing. 
we don't want to brine these too much. And it's kind of a personal preference, kind of like how you like your steak cooked. 24 hours on a brine absolutely changes the way the steak will come out. 48 hours in the brine, uh, you can see a significant difference. Anything beyond that for me is just too much. It, it starts to pull too much moisture out of the steak. So I would say if you were going to freeze this, and I haven't done it, so I'm speculating, but I don't see why it wouldn't work. You would take a thawed steak, brine it for whatever time you like, and then freeze it. And then when it comes out, you don't really want it. You kind of want to, have you ever cooked a steak from frozen? It works great for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's two ways that I, I can cook a steak from frozen. One, I'll take a frozen steak and throw it right in a screaming hot cast iron pan and sear both sides. Then just throw it in the oven or the sous vide and bring it up to temperature. That works great. So you, what a, we really don't want to rethaw that steak completely and let, let that brining action start again. Okay. All right. Well, I just I just plop it in the cold water in the sous vide plum frozen. By the time the sous vide heats up, yes, perfect to the temperature. Then it's thawed and it starts cooking, and it's just perfect as far as I'm concerned. But I was just wondering about yep, that, that that dry brining process because if I go to the store and get one, stick it in a bag. I mean, brine it and then stick it in a bag and freeze it. It's not going to do me any good then. No, I think it would. Well. Well, you just have to give it that oh. that at least 24 hours or so to brine. So you would take a, again, we got to start this process with a thawed steak. We salt it heavily. We stick it in a vacuum bag, If you, especially if you're going to um, sous vide it. Just go ahead and throw it in a vacuum bag. Give it at least 24 hours and then freeze it. After, then take it out of the freezer, put it right in your sous vide like you do, and everything will be great. All right. So if I am happen to be home for 24 hours, it would work. If I'm only home for 10 minutes, it wouldn't work. So. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, it, it, I'm just at my house for such indeterminate amounts of time. I'm not even necessarily sure oh, wait, I ever wait, have 24 wait, hours wait. there, which is my choice. Wait, I've got another idea. When you're home, All right. salt it, whether it's thawed or frozen. Just salt it. And we salt pretty heavily when you're, when you're dry brining. Then freeze it and take it with you. Then on the road, when you thaw it, give it 24 hours. Oh, I'm there. I don't do that on the road. I, I don't cook on the roads. Oh, Kevin. got it. Okay. This is strictly so, for at-home deal. It just happens. If I know I'm going to be home for enough hours, like a couple of hours anyway, then I can pop a frozen ribeye in my sous vide and I can have a meal. But if I go to the store and get three or four, then they, the, the extra ones immediately go in the freezer Got it. Okay. Because I don't know if I'll, I guess if I, I mean, I could, I, like you said, I could salt them and vacuum seal them and then leave them in the refrigerator and then put them in the freezer before I leave. If I do have to be home 24 hours, that would yes. be fine. Then. That, that would that work. Just, I was just curious how that freezing process uh, would work it, with, in a vacuum seal would work with that dry brining. What will happen is once that steak freezes, the dry brining process stops. Okay. But it wouldn't hurt to leave it all on. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to take so. it right from from a dry brining and then with it frozen, put it right in the sous vide. It's not going to affect the quality any because it's frozen and it's vacuum sealed and it's no, still cooking with all fine. that salt in there. It's not going to hurt anything. No, that'll right. work fine. That answered the question. Of, yeah, you know. All right. It, well, would, so when we brine certain things, like if we brine a turkey or a chicken in a liquid brine, it's very salty. 
and there's even a little sugar in a liquid brine, and you should rinse all of that brine off before you cook that meat. Beef, especially big, thick ribeyes, can handle a lot of salt, and they really taste better with a lot of salt. So when I dry brine, I don't even attempt to rinse any of that salt off or get rid of it. I want it there. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't be much point in putting it on there. And well, like off, I said, so. it, in, in, a, in a liquid brine on a turkey or a chicken, I do recommend right. rinsing it when you're done or it ends up being too salty. But beef, just beef can handle a lot of salt. All right, that answered the question. I'm going to try a couple of them sometime, and if I'm home for a period of time with a month thought, I'll, uh, I'll or thought, I mean, I'll uh, stick them in the refrigerator, vacuum sealed, and then pop them in the freezer and see how they turn out. So, and then report back. Just curious. Thank you very much. Yep, I certainly will. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. Talk to you soon. You're welcome. Let's go to Kansas. We've got lines open. If you want to jump in, I would do it quick. Eight five five. Nine five zero three eight three five. Perry, welcome. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing today? Doing wonderful. What's on your mind? I've, I bought the X3 bar, and I was just wondering if you have received any complaints. My bands, whenever I use the, I use the second band and the third band, and the base plate is actually eating the bands up when I have it doubled over to do my deadlift. And when I'm doing my calf raises, has anybody else complained about that? You know, we've seen, said anything? we've seen a little bit of it. I do get some, some cracking on the bands a little bit. And, and in the beginning, when I first saw it, I thought, man, it, that's, we're just going to wear a band out like this. It never got worse on mine. Um, I did have somebody who said okay. theirs, they thought theirs was worse. And I said, you know, take, uh, take some Gorilla Tape. And put it around those corners of the the uh, base. I never. I was going to do it to mine, and I didn't right. need to because they never. They just never got any worse. But had mine continued to get worse, I, I would have just put some, you know, heavy duty duct tape or gorilla tape on that edge. Okay. Yeah, that's because I think it's the powder coating that's what's doing it. It may be. Powder coating is kind of uh, so, gritty. So, yeah. yeah, we haven't had anybody even come close to a band failing. And I've checked with um, okay. X3, and they say, no, a lot of times you'll see that cracking and it looks bad, but they don't really fail. I, I imagine if somebody uses their bands enough over time, you may have to replace them. But I, I know people have used them right. an awful lot, and they're still going strong. Okay. Okay, well, I, I'll I'll try the gorilla tape. I've actually got that, so that and that makes sense. It would smooth that up. Yeah, I contacted them directly, and they, and they said they're going to replace them. Good, so, good. Oh, uh, with that. So I mean, uh, so their service, and I mean, they they get back with me the same day. It's all by email. Yeah, I, I'd rather have right. a phone call, but sometimes it's hard to explain exactly I what's know. going on in an email without being real lengthy. So, but yeah, no, I love it. I, I was a gym rat for for years with the free weights. I tore my shoulders up horrendously. I've had four shoulder <laughs> yep. surgeries, yep. and and uh, this this is uh, an amazing uh, difference in how I feel after getting done. And it's so quick. <laughs> it, uh, it I, is. I recommend it, it to anybody. I've been I've been recommending it to everybody that that I know that that kind of works out and wants to stay fit. Good. Good. I've been recommending it to Thank them. Thank you. So, 
and we got on the, uh, I, I called you about my wife and the osteoporosis and got her on the cardio miracle and, and the uh, light balance and, and the uh, collagen and even started buying the bone broth. All Good. of it is, has been amazing. So excellent. Good, good products and, and feel, feel a hundred percent. Well, I can't say a hundred percent better. I felt pretty good before, but I, I do, yeah. I do notice a big difference. I mean, we were eating, eating, uh, pretty clean, right. you know? So, and when I say pretty clean, I, I'm basically carnivore, you know, I'll, I'll dirty it up a little bit here and there, but, but no, really, really appreciate everything you do. And, You're and I was just wondering about the X3. Yep. That's what I would try so, Okay, that sounds good. I, just, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about sanding down the, the powder coating, but then that would mess things up if I wanted to send it back or yeah. have them replace it. So yeah. the Gorilla Tape sounds like a better idea. Yeah. All right. All righty. Well, sounds- that's all I've got. All right. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Missouri. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hey, you, get 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 closer to your speaker. You sound like you're on the other side of the room. Okay. Uh, how's that? Yeah, it's a little better. We'll give it a how's shot. That? Okay. I, I got one recorded. Yeah, it just it, it just got a lot worse. I can barely understand you. Okay. So, but now I can hear you. Okay. So I took those pep, you know, uh, the the peppers from the honey and um, um, dehydrated them. Okay. And, uh, um, and for like, I just kept going with it because I couldn't tell if they were, they kind of were still squishy. I thought they were going to get crispy, but they didn't. But so I just went, kept going like 24, six hours, uh, where I finally just said, okay, it's, I'm not going to wear out my machine dehydrating them. But, uh, they, they did get, uh, dry. I mean, and they probably were dry prior, you know, 24 hours, but cause it just, it just looked shiny still, you know? And then anyway, I, I, uh, ground them up and and man a little goes a long way they're they're definitely it's spicy so all i can say yeah so it'd be great to add in in, you know your rubs and then but i was gonna say uh i tested it on a pork butt and you know how you score the fat cap and then you right you get a nice crust on there so oh man when when i tasted it basically eating those little cubes of morsels of fat you know before i before i squished it all you know uh and at that spot, that season, it was just, it was, it was unique. Yeah, it was great. You just gave me an idea for a product. All right. A, a spice rub made wow. out of that would be very unique. The taste of all of this, the peppers, the honey, everything, it's just such a unique taste that I bet I could create a killer spice rub out of that. Yeah, it's so good with the fat, you know, the rendered fat. Yeah. And, uh, um, and and, uh, but you know, if you had, I noticed it was, it, if you, you know, I put it in a, in a little glass container, you know, but it, so it clumps when you go yeah. back to use it, it you know, it will, yeah. that's, that's why almost all spice rubs have anti-caking agents in them. And, you know, I, I, what I would do is I would look at uh, companies like true primal that make really clean spice blends and see what, cause I, I use theirs all the time and they don't clump. And they have nothing in them. So I would just look, what are they doing different so that theirs doesn't clump and they don't have to put anything in it. But 
You know, the more I think about this, we have one process that uses two ingredients, uses honey and peppers, and we can get all so far three completely different products out of it. We can get the hot honey, we can get hot sauces, and now spice rubs. This is sounding better all the time. I I mean, yeah, I I mean, it didn't bother me. I I stirred it up, you know, with a fork or something, and I could use it. Uh, But I was going to say, oh, man, uh, damn, I I lost my train of thought. Uh, What happened to that coffee? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't have enough brain octane this Um, morning. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I remember. So um, then I started thinking, you know, I was trying to find the this, this, this sweet aspect from it, you know, because you could tell it, since it's sticky and clumpy, it, you know, right. it still had a, a little bit of sweet. But then I, I thought I've got some granulated honey. You know, it's a product by, yeah. uh, I don't know, Lane, Lane's Barbecue or something. But uh, it's just granulated honey. So I figured if you can add that, I might add right. that to that to try to get this sweet hot going on, you know. So you could add it to whatever spice. Yeah, you might uh, need a kick. Yeah, yeah, I might, uh, I might try just mixing it into my current pork rub. I have a pork. I, right. I don't know why I call it a pork rub anymore. I use it on almost everything—chicken, pork, all kinds of stuff. But uh, I've got a favorite rub that I like. I might just add it right to that rub and see what happens. Yeah, I, I might uh, actually. You know, after I get enough smoke on the brisket, and then when I go to wrap, you know, uh, turn it. Uh, I might sprinkle the uh, um, the flat side and just for a minute and see how that see if it can come through. Yeah, you know, on the last part of the cook. Yeah, but anyway, be yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's all I got. All right, talk to you soon. Thanks. Let's go to Maryland. Brian, welcome. Uh, good morning. I was just curious if you might know anything about Fuchs dystrophy. Uh, the, yeah, I, I know what it is. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. You know if there's any kind of natural ways to get rid of it or who, who has it? it or, uh, my wife does. And tell me about her diet. Oh, it's fairly clean. I and, uh, 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 yeah, c- come on, come on. Uh, f- fairly clean, and the way you said that sounds to me like she eats the standard American diet. Tell me, yeah, tell me anything unique. Uh, okay, that's what I was looking for. She cut out a lot of grains. A lot is a, but that's not a descriptive term. Tell me how much, or tell me how what grains she still eats and how often. Oh, she will eat a muffin from time to time, but um, time to time. Hold on, hold on. I, I need. I, I don't mean to be. Short, but I need more specific <laughs> words. You use very vague words. Time to time is meaningless. All right. Oh, I'd say once a week. That's if you don't eliminate grains completely, you almost never get the results. You might get a little better. Uh-huh. So she said that she's probably eating seed oils because unless she's making the muffins from scratch, they're going to have seed oils in them. She's eating the standard American diet. So one of the things about what I do with health is, you know, I I talk all the time about doctors really only have two tools no matter what is wrong with you. They have drugs and they have surgeries. 
That that's really about all they ever have, no matter what what's wrong with you. I, honestly, I only have right. one thing. It's always diet. There is no magic supplement right. for any of these conditions. None. It, all the supplements in the world cannot overcome a poor diet. The only answer I have is she has to change her diet to at least some sort of paleo-based diet and preferably a very low-carb paleo-based diet. Will this condition respond? I have no idea. Never dealt with anybody that had it before. But I do know that everything about somebody's health gets better when they eat right. Right. Okay, I don't know. Just curious if you had any uh, experience with it or if you knew, you know. If I know of a quick fix, no, there are none. Right, I understand that, but I didn't know if there was. There is Anything a fix. other than surgery and just change the diet. Well, wait a minute. Other than surgery, I, I don't want to go the surgery route. I mean, I would never recommend that. Not unless the diet just absolutely right. didn't work to improve something like this. There, there are very, very few conditions I have ever found that don't respond well to the diet. Doesn't mean it cures everything, but we get a better outcome no matter what. Okay. Yeah, that's basically what I was trying to find out. Okay. I would, I would hide. Here's mm-hmm. the other thing. Um, you, for most conditions, you do not need to do this diet long to see results. Some things respond in less than a week. This, I would say, if, you, if she were really curious about whether or not this was going to help, I would give it 30 days. Okay. My guess is okay. you are going to see significant improvements in this condition, and you will absolutely see significant improvements in health overall. But we do not have any quick fixes. We don't have anything that works outside of the diet. We have supplements that can help supplement the diet. That's why they're called that. They don't work on their own. They just don't. Let's... uh go to massachusetts todd welcome hey kevin how you doing long time no speak can you hear me i can what's on your mind today at this pleasure okay i got the soy and, and soil on my mind and I, I just heard something on a podcast that uh i have to check the number but i see anywhere between 35 and 95 percent this one person said of all living land critters are under the land so there's so five percent are on the land and 95 are under the land in the soil any any thoughts ever if joe will ever talk about that or well we'd have to get more specific again when you say critters are we including um fungi bacteria yeast mold all of those are living things then then absolutely i would probably believe that that's close that was a stunner to me. I like, I never, who'd have thunk it? And I just, I just wanted to run that by you. Then yeah, they call, they call it megafauna underground. A- anyway, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I um, would. Also, I, I, I don't know if it's exactly ninety five percent, and who cares? I would absolutely believe that there would be a huge ratio like that. That most of the organisms, yeah. yes, do live in the soil itself. 
it was just, it was a, I mean, I was somewhat familiar because I, one of your guests had a book on mycotoxins or mushrooms and the network underground. And oh, so it didn't huge. take me by total surprise, but the, the, but lar- it, yeah, it the goes, largest living organism in the world is a fungi, a mushroom. Yeah. And underground, it, it goes right. for miles. They, they, they communicate underground. And when it's like, if Wait. I remember correctly, if something dies and is rotting on the Sorry? Well, I was just going to say, here's another way to think oh. about this so that it, it actually makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I was blown away when I found out that 90% of the cells in our body are not human. Yeah, earthworms. Was it related to earthworms? I remember that. Tell me about that. Well, it, the earthworm part of the story was more about genetics. We always assumed that when we mapped the entire human genome, we would solve everybody's health problems through genetics. And when we got done mapping the genome and found out we only had 23,000 genes, there are earthworms that have 30,000 genes. So the point of that whole story is that genetically we are we are less complicated than an earthworm so our genes really do not determine our health almost not at all it's our our diet and our lifestyle that even can activate genes or deactivate genes so the the whole point of the earthworm comparison was we're not going to fix our health through genetics it's just not going to happen the, the possibility isn't even there because genetics really don't determine our everyday health and our metabolic health. But the, the idea that right. only, only 10% of our body is actually human. If we look at the, the cells, there are more non-human cells in our body, nine to one. So, so yeah, just, why would it like, be surprising that 90% of the living organisms are in the soil? That really doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it reminds me of an expression. Um, what is it? Genetics loads the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger. Something like that. Uh, you see, I don't even like that. And, um, I don't even like that because genetics loading the gun is even a very, very small percentage of genes that could potentially do that. Okay. All right. I I can see. I mean, some people are more predisposed to X than well, give me an example. Others, but Not, no, give me an example. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Well, let of me one. give uh, you an example. There, there is well, some, a, some of the rarest one. There is a gene that's that's fairly common, and it gets talked about a lot. There are tons of like celebrities, women who have had double mastectomies, even though they have no signs whatsoever of breast cancer. And they do it because they do have a gene that has been linked closely to breast cancer. But there are lots of people that have that gene and never get breast cancer. But the the numbers are pretty high on that one. So I would never recommend a double mastectomy. I would just recommend living the healthiest life you could possibly live. Um, but but that's a pretty rare occurrence. There just are not that many genes that are directly linked to a disease. So what if I change that expression that makes a difference at all to... Uh, genetics uh, loads the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger to a chain is as strong as its weakest link. Uh, is it the same thing? No difference. I, I don't know. It just seems to me that 
Yeah, I, I, I like I said, I, I don't even like the phrase that genetics loads the gun because that again, it, it almost never does. There's some pretty rare exceptions, and even those are never a hundred percent. You have this gene, you're getting this. So I, I don't like to bring yeah. genetics into the mix much at all. Honestly, it's just okay. one of those things that gives people excuses. Oh, well, you know, it runs in my family. It's yeah. genetic. What am I going to do? Uh, well, live your healthiest life, and I, I have a feeling those genes aren't going to matter much. Right, and I tell people... And, and, and let's, 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 let's also look at this. Let's say it does have yeah. an impact. So what? I can't change it. My genes are my genes. The only way I can change them is through diet and lifestyle. We can turn genes on and off. So I don't... Once we figured out that, you know, we were so incredibly simple genetically, we're nowhere near the most complicated genetic organism on the market. We're we're with the earthworms. Once I realized that, then I don't even know why we talk about genetics and health much. Pretty humbling. Yeah, Yeah, I I tell people, uh, you know, if if it's if it is genetics, this is switching off that other analogy. Then why do fat people tend to have fat pets? Well, and no. diabetic pets, and yeah, well, it runs in our family. I, I'm a little worried about why your dog has the same thing then. <laughs> what kind of family is this running? Are yeah. you running? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm hesitating to make a West Virginia joke here, so I think we'll just pass. I, I, was, I was already pre-hesitating that to, yeah. to throw one out there. But uh, I was listening to some stuff about, I mean, I guess the the, the answer is, Soy boy, but the the preamble is, I heard that there's the same amount of estrogen in a tablespoon of soybean oil as there is in one birth control pill. I, I have I have no idea. I, um, I because and, and I really don't recommend yeah. consuming soy or birth control pills. Right. Well, well, this gets this goes into this whole. I don't like the term any more than I like toxic masculinity, but this bullshit term of gender confusion or gender yeah, now, dysphoria, I, and it gets into... I, I actually do, and, are, and I, I'm going to cut you loose because I want to bring our guest in. Um, thank you for the call. I actually do believe that our gender dysphoria is partially some brainwashing and peer pressure, but uh, more so I think we got to this point because of our diet. I, I do believe that people's hormone, look, hormones control almost everything. They're powerful. And we have got really disrupted hormones in a lot of people. And it, it hormones absolutely control almost everything about our sexuality. I, I'm not surprised that we have confused people. Uh, but there is somebody who's not confused, and that's Dr. Edward Griffin. Welcome and good morning. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? I so doing. I, was, I was listening to part of that call, and it was kind of interesting. <laughs> what are your thoughts? So our, uh, kind of interesting is uh, what you were mentioning, that the double mastectomy. And it's like as soon as I hear that, people getting that double mastectomy because of the BRCA is uh, Angelina Jolie is the one that jumps into my head that happened about, what was that, in uh, maybe 2015, 2016. Sounds about right. Yeah. It was public publicized that she tested positive for the BRCA gene. So she immediately goes out and gets a double mastectomy. 
and talks about, but not everybody can afford to go out and do an elective surgery like that just because they test positive for the BRCA gene. The BRCA gene doesn't mean you're going to have cancer. It means that you have a higher risk. That doesn't mean you are completely susceptible and that's going to be what you're going to get. So it's kind of interesting, but why I think she did the biggest disservice to the breast cancer industry by promoting this double mastectomy. I agree. Why didn't she promote just what you said, healthy lifestyle? The genes don't necessarily make the body. It's There's so many things that we can do to adjust this. I mean, there are some exceptions, like if you have trisomy, you know, if you've got a trisomy, if you've got a, like a Down syndrome, right, right, right. we're not going to change that. That is a genetic issue that we can't change. Correct. But so many other things, can- cancers definitely is, oh, but it runs in my family. That's <laughs> the, the other thing that I love hearing too, or, or love, yeah. but hate hearing is, you know, what also runs in your family, that your diet, exactly. your lifestyle, right. we right. tend to eat like our parents did. We tend to live like our parents did. We tend to do what our family does because that's the way we're raised and that's where we're brought up. Um, Look at, uh, pull up a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger's kids. He's got two boys. One is severely overweight and one looks exactly like him. Yes, not not surprising. He raised, yeah, the one that he raised is more like him. The one that was raised by somebody else, I, I think it was, didn't he have a kid with a nanny or somebody, yeah. is the overweight one, I believe is what it is. But it's amazing to see same genetics or very similar genetics. They're both Schwarzenegger's kids, but very different. You know, it's interesting that over the years, I've seen all kinds of talk and even a lot of studies and research on the idea of nature versus nurture, which is kind of what we're talking about. Are we talking about how you were born? Are we talking about how you were raised? But it seems to me like it's always focused on some sort of a behavior. Like if you're raised this way, do you end up doing this? Or why don't we see more of these around health? Yeah. And why does it have to be nature versus nurture? Guess what? Right. It's It's both. both. You're right. Yeah. There's a little bit of nature and there's a nurture. I mean, there are some twin studies out there showing the nurture versus nature. But even some of these twins that are separated at birth, um, obviously it is, you know, not ethical to do this. But in cases where they've been adopted separately and then brought back together later in their life, they still find out that there is a nature component, but there's also a nurture component. And it's it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's a combination of both. I mean, yes, some people are gifted with better genes than others, and some people are going to be taller. Some people are going to be shorter. Some people are going to be big-boned or whatever. It, but there's also that nurture component that we can adjust our lifestyle to change our health. Yeah, and, you know, growing up when I kind of bought into the whole genes control everything. Now, you you did a great job of explaining what genes do control. Color of your eyes, the color of your hair, mm-hmm. your height, your bone size. There, There's lots of things we can predict about what you will look like. That has almost right. nothing to do with how healthy you're going to be in life. Agreed. Yeah, completely. And even like to even to bring up 
something else into what the previous caller was talking about. I actually just read about this. I think it was in the past week about birth control pills and talking about, we're talking about hormones, but there is studies that have just come out like literally within the last week talking about the increase in birth controls, hormonal birth control, and how it has now led to increases in cancer, increases in heart disease. I don't doubt it. Because because we are chemically changing what our bodies are supposed to be doing. And then add into that the whole gender dysphoria that he mentioned right there at the very end is it's interesting that this gender dysphoria is has come about in the last, let's say, 15 to 20 years. Right. But now how about the exogenous estrogens from plastics like in disposable diapers that we're exposed to as yeah. at an early age. <laughs> yeah. This is something yeah. that I also read about within the last week but, is all these exogenous plastics. We put everything in a plastic bottle now. Everything comes but, in a plastic is disposable. What about all of those estrogens and plastics? And then add into effect this the soys. He mentioned soy right there at the end. How about all of the soy and the phytoestrogens that we've increased? Yeah. Why do plants make these phytoestrogens to stop animals from eating them. <laughs> right. But we still eat them anyways. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, maybe it's time to remind some of the younger people in the audience, because they might not realize this, plastics themselves in our life are really new. Like, that happened in my lifetime. There was a time where there was almost yeah. no plastic. Toys were made out of metal. Most of the toys I had when I was a kid were made out of some kind of metal or wood. Or they, plastic yeah. is yeah. is a new thing. Probably since what the nineteen what sixties into the seventies, I, I think, is when plastics really started. That, that's kind of what so, I was like, thinking. I remember, they, like, yeah, yes, yeah, toys from the fifties and sixties. Remember, like Lincoln logs, right? And erector like sets. They were pieces of wood. And, director set or metal and and my yep. my little um fire chief pedal car was all metal it was metal right yep exactly and then even like tonka trucks Correct. i remember the metal tonka truck all I, metal i bet you'd be hard pressed to find a metal tonka truck today if tonka's still making trucks but um it'd be a plastic version of it and how about even the playgrounds that we played on as kids yep. that were either metal or wood now they pulled out all the metal ones because they were dangerous because they were rusting. They pulled out all the wood ones that they put in afterwards because people were getting splinters. And now they're replacing them with all these plastics. And so. we've replaced all kinds of decks with, you know, Prex decks and, and composites and plastics. And and that is a exactly. fairly new phenomenon. You know, we talk about... We talk about things like farming and agriculture and wheat and those kind of things being like 10,000 years old, and we call those new. I mean, they are right. new historically when yeah. we look at how long humans have been eating and then our eating changed 10,000 years ago, which is pretty recent. But compare that to plastics. Plastics happened like 10 minutes ago then. Right. Let's compare that even to plastics and pharmaceuticals. Uh, Why oh, yeah. is herbs, right. herbs that have been used for thousands of years, the shamans, the, you know, so many people have used herbs for millennia, but we jump into this modern pharma suddenly. And 
back to the plastics again for a minute, how about water? Oh, we yeah. switched from metal pipes, copper pipes, to plastic, plastic pipes, PEX piping. So how much plastic are we getting in our water where we used to worry about a copper toxicity because of our pipes? Why aren't we worried about a plastic toxicity because at, of our at, pipes? At least copper belongs in our body. Right. There are no plastic receptors in our right. body. Yeah. We have it, copper receptors in our body. Correct. We need cuproenzymes in our body. Even silver that I'm going to be talking about here is silver even has receptors on the myelin sheath. But there are no receptors for plastic in our body. So it's it's just it's mind blowing. And now because of the plastics, let's not only the phytoestrogens and now the hormonal issues that everybody's having, but how about um, going even further with the plastics and just everything that they destroy, everything that they change, um, just all along, I, I can't even think of so many things. Think oh, about yeah. how the pollution in our ocean from the plastic. Uh, See, how about less than 5% of plastics that are available to be recycled, less than 5% actually gets recycled. Yeah, the whole recycling thing kind about, of fell apart. It, it, it's a cost issue. Exactly. It turns into a cost issue. It's a great idea in theory that doesn't necessarily work in practice. And then in people's fast lifestyle, they want, don't want to save that plastic bottle and look for the recycle bin. They're looking for the garbage can because it's right there. Yep. Yep. It, uh, it, it's a big issue that really uh, – lately I've been seeing more and more about the plastics. And, and the, the problem with it is it's really scary and nobody seems to be doing a whole lot to change it. I don't see it changing anytime soon. I think the only thing you can do is is work hard to keep the plastics out of your life as much as you can. I've switched a, a lot of stuff back to glass. You know, I, I really try to minimize plastic. Yeah, agreed. I try to minimize plastic as much as possible. I actually, I, I just looked over at my uh, desk here, and I have a glass bottle that I drink out of all the time, right. the uh, Life Factory bottle with the glass with the rubber out, outer casing so I don't break it, um, but is I love this bottle. And even when we're talking about drinking water out of re reusable bottles, I personally don't like the taste from a metal bottle, and that's why I switched to glass. It's so right. much cleaner, right. and um, it's I, I can taste it when it's come out of a metal container. Yes. So I like it out of glass. That's what I go to all the time, and that that's my go-to is glass. And also, glass is almost infinitely recyclable, I believe. I think so, too. So yeah. Is, yeah. Once you take that glass, clean it up, um, break it back down into particles, and then remelt it, and you reuse it. So almost infinitely recyclable. Well, that, that, uh, that certainly... That none also turned into the cost as well. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, none of that was on our agenda, but it was a, an interesting conversation this morning. Yeah, I just when I heard that last conversation, I just want to make a couple comments. And actually, while he was finishing talking, I actually jotted down a few notes so I didn't forget. Yeah. Uh, in the middle. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. It is. So what we are here to talk about today, um, I actually want to. Maybe we'll coin a new phrase here. You know, I, we hear a lot. We're certainly hearing a lot more about it this year. The cold and flu season seems to have shown up early, right. um, significantly earlier than most years. And they're pushing. I, I see they actually have a triple vax now. Um, you can get your flu, yep. your they're COVID. Combining and, the flu and the COVID together. And RSV now. They have a triple. 
Yep, a triple. Okay. Yeah. So you can do that because they're telling you cold and flu season was here early. You know what? We should turn this around. Um, today we are going to celebrate the launch of Build Your Immune System season. Let's make it more positive. That's, exactly. Let's make it positive. But with that being said, is is there a Build Your Immune season or isn't it Every really day, all the time. <laughs> right. It should be an everyday thing. Exactly. Right. So it's like we talk about this cold and flu season, but let's break it down to the basics is where does cold and flu season come from? In the summertime, in the warmer months, we're outside, we're getting fresh air, we're getting more exercise, we're outdoors, um, just so many things that we're doing and we're active. Yes. What is cold and flu season is we start coming inside. So it's more inside. We are surrounded. So indoor crowding, decreased humidity because of heating devices, uh, reduced sunlight, even stress. What also comes in flu season is the holidays. You How know, about we just had Halloween yesterday. How about sugar season? That's where I was going to go. There, I, I, and I do believe both of these things have an impact, but for a long time, they, they really focused more on, yeah, you're closed up, you're not outside as much. That, that all makes sense to me. The more time we spend outside, sunlight, grounding, fresh air, all of that is good for us. But I do think there's a lot to this. We, we kick off with Halloween and the kids just gorge themselves on candy. And so do the adults. Come on. How many posts do you have to see about, well, you know, I take 20% of my kids' candy as a tax. Uh, yeah, maybe we should call that a death, right, exactly. a, a death tax. Um, so death tax, right. we start eating now. Thanksgiving comes. You know, Thanksgiving does not have to be an excuse to eat bad. We, we make a pretty traditional right. Thanksgiving dinner, and it's pretty darn healthy. But it, it doesn't include six different yeah. kinds of pies and, you know— a, <laughs> Our sweet potatoes for Thanksgiving, because I love sweet potatoes, are simply roasted sweet potatoes with butter. Why do we need a cup of brown sugar and marshmallows and, and whatever other crap they throw into sweet potatoes? Exactly. It's, it's our sugar addiction as Americans that we take something that was healthy and add so much into it. Um, I was actually just having a conversation with my wife Um I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, yesterday being Halloween, is I was talking about um, caramel apples. And I picked up a caramel sauce and started reading the ingredients. Oh. And I asked her, my wife cooks a lot. And I'm like, what is actually in a caramel sauce? And she's like, really, it, it's butter and, and sugar. sugar. That's it. And you, just, and you heat it and you heat it on the stove. Right. And it caramelizes it. And I'm like, what is all this other crap that is in these you know, processed, over-processed, garbage caramels that they put on the market. Why don't we just make it at home? And my guess is the one good ingredient in caramel is probably missing from the artificial caramel, which is the butter. Exactly. Those healthy fats are going to be what's missing. <laughs> yeah, the, the one. Yeah. So, look, I'm, I'm not a fan of caramel no matter how you make it, because if you cook it on the stove, it is a ton of sugar. There's no doubt about it. Right. So yep. the exactly. butter doesn't bother me at all. It's then, but then we go to these exactly. artificial and, then, and the one good ingredient used to make caramel, they probably don't put in there at all. 
Exactly. And it's, yeah, butter being such an amazing thing. And just that natural fat is, I trust butter way more than I'll trust a margarine, you know, some chemically oof, derived. Oof. Have you seen the process of how margarine is made? It's actually, it's ridiculous. And it was yeah. touted as a health food for years. Uh, Why yeah. not just organic butter? Butter's incredible. I, I really, I, I am, I butter. am in some ways shocked at how much butter I use. But the, the the more butter I eat, the better I feel. Let's talk about butyric acid for a minute. I'm getting off topic of what I was here for, <laughs> but butyric acid is actually healing to the GI tract. Yes. So you actually can do butyric acid enemas for people that have GI issues like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. But that's one of the treatments is butyric acid enemas. And we actually get that from butter, right? Butter, right, exactly. So why aren't we eating these healthy foods? And I can get back to our seasonality. It's sugar season is we jump right from Halloween. And then our next excuse is Thanksgiving. Then our next excuse is Christmas. And then it's like, oh, now it's time for New Year's resolutions. We're going to be better <laughs> next year. <laughs> oh, and, and let's but not forget one of the months. other common themes at all of those holidays, a lot of bad foods, a lot of sugary foods. There's also a lot of alcohol. That's true. Yep. How many people have that drink for, you know, uh, what is it? I, I believe it's the night before Thanksgiving is the biggest bar day of the year. Is that right? Almost nobody has a yeah, I believe it's wow. the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the biggest bar night. You'd think it would be like St. Patrick's right. Day or something, you know, right. drinking holiday. But yeah, I used to play in bands, and that was something that I heard. We always had a gig on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving huh. is yeah. because bars were packed because one person, usually, you know, mom or somebody is home prepping the meal. Everybody else has nothing to do, so it's go out and, you know, watch football, watch sports, and, uh, you know, drink. And drink. So it, the bars get busy uh, the night before Thanksgiving. Interesting. You know, I, I still occasionally so enjoy a glass of wine, um, but I do it differently mm-hmm. now, and, uh, and I'm very clear about this. I, with all the research I've done, the testing I've done on myself with blood sugar, blood pressure, HRV, every measurement I can take easily, I can't find a single positive thing about alcohol and health. And I hate to say that, but I I just don't believe that it adds anything whatsoever to our health. I don't believe it's neutral for our health, even in small amounts. I think any amount takes something away from our health. Yeah, even with the minimal benefit that it can have, like talk about wine and a red wine is going to have resveratrol, which is amazing for your health. But that alcohol, that sugar component that is now decreasing your immune system. Uh, what is, I think it's a, a, a teaspoon or a tablespoon of sugar will decrease your immune system for like four to six hours. I, I'm not so surprised. One of the most uh, interesting experiments I did around alcohol was what it does to your blood sugar. I've, yeah. I've, I've worn, you know, CGMs for probably a total of, oh, I don't know, about eight months over the last several years. I'll try some for a while. I'll take it off. I'll go back. I've done a lot of it. And the one thing, it was the only, you know, I, I did mine through NutriSense and NutriSense gives you a, a 
nutritional coach, which I really didn't need. I thought, yeah, it's nice that they're there. I did reach out to him once, and it was after I drank like three glasses of wine, which is you know more than I would normally drink. And 36 hours later, and I was still getting weird blood sugar readings. And I reached out to the nutritionist, and I said, hey, what's the deal with this? And she sent me tons of research on this. Alcohol makes a mess of your blood sugar. Yeah, absolutely. But what is alcohol is going to be, it's a carbohydrate. So alcohol is a sugar, and that's where we talk about sugar alcohols. And so that's, it's a sugar. So anything that our body cannot use once it goes through glycolysis and breaking it down gets stored as fat or gets is in the bloodstream for a while. So it just, it, it's hard to believe that, you know, alcohol is so it's addictive. I I've told people um, just recently, even that if sugar was found today, if we discovered sugar for the first time ever today, it would be listed as a drug because of the effects that it has on the body from depressing the immune system to, you know, all the dopamine receptors. There's a reason why we have sugar addiction and it sugar feeds the same pathways that, other drugs feed. So it's as addictive or more addictive than any other drug out there. So you can understand how back into those holidays again, how people just, they start and then they can't stop. And so Kevin, I am a sugar addict. So as a naturopathic doctor, I am still a sugar addict, but I know when I have sugar, how bad it is for me. I can go months without any sugar, without any, well, let's say additional sugar. But as soon as I have a little bit, oh, I want more. And then I want a little bit more. And I'm like, wow, how am I suddenly drinking a soda that I haven't had for months? How am I suddenly having this, you know, glass of wine or this beer that I haven't had for months? Yeah. It's once I have one, once you can avoid sugar for a long enough time, the body detoxes. Now, once you have it again, you notice that addiction coming back. You know, I I saw um, uh, something on social media the other day from probably, I'm going to say they were like a registered dietitian or something. They they had some sort of medical nutritional background, but more of the traditional kind of stuff. And they actually made a claim. I want to try to remember the wording here. Um, Any food restriction will cause eating disorders. Oh, that's interesting. I I couldn't even believe what I was reading. I had to keep reading it. Then I tried to read through the comments to see if she would ever explain herself. She never really did. But her belief is, you know, it's another one of those everything in moderation kind of approaches, which with food absolutely does not work. It was the worst phrase ever invented around nutrition. It does not work. I agree. And, and to, to then take that to the level of somebody who is giving somebody dietary advice to say, anytime you ask somebody to restrict any kind of food, you are going to cause an eating disorder. Well, first off, give me a break. Right, come on. That is just a ridiculous statement with no evidence anywhere to back that up. Yeah. Well, I think this is just another case of normalizing the abnormal. Yeah. And instead of actually looking at the research, we're bending the research 
to the American standards is what's the average American now is the average American is overweight and is on how many medications that isn't normal. That is, again, we talk about, you know, we just talked about the history and the toys and the metals and woods and plastic. Same thing is obesity is a thing of the last 30 to 40 years. Um, there's, I'm sure you've seen this somewhere online is I've seen it multiple times. There's a picture of a beach in California. Yeah. Um, I think it's in California from the 1970s. Not a single overweight person. Not one. Not one. Well, what about this? And you look at the same Uh, beach today uh, and everybody's overweight and eating and just, uh, it's, it's insane. And it, it, let's pick a year. I don't know. Pick any. 1980. How many cases okay. of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease would you see in an eight-year-old in 1980? Um, zero. Zero. Oh, actually, I'd say maybe a 0.1%. I'm not going to say completely it, zero, but it's very rare. And so the same thing is I just I just read a um uh, uh I just read an article about how non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is the on the rise in adolescence. It's yes. the number one cause for liver transplants. Yeah, that, that is just and, sick. And I think that is absolutely disgusting at this point. And I think it was, um, I, I get Mercola's uh, emails, and I think it was a Mercola article that I read that said and talked about how non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is on the rise in children. Adolescents. So yeah. oh, right here, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up right here right now. Is Mercola just put this out? If it'll pop up today. I may and, have yes. posted that one this morning. Yeah, is it's kind of funny. Yeah, we're reading the same stuff here. Yeah. Oh, and that's 1980. Is the first documented cases of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease didn't come about until 1980. And today, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease affects 32.4% of people globally. What's happened since 1980? Monsanto, plastics, garbage food. Um, How about, I think I've seen another post, I think I saw it on Facebook or something, that 90% of the food on our grocery store shelves today didn't exist 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And... over 90%. Foods that did exist and people think are still the same really aren't. Here, here's an example. Uh, I love mm-hmm. smoked meats. I love grilling. I love barbecuing. Okay. I love smoked meats. So I also love barbecue sauce. And I make all my own. Barbecue sauce does not need many ingredients. And one of the things it absolutely does not need is sugar or high fructose corn syrup. A good barbecue sauce will have okay. some molasses in it. And I, I know there's sugar in molasses, so yep. we are getting some carbs in there. But it's but still it, a natural non-processed sugar. And it's actually loaded with a bunch of minerals. And we're only using a exactly. really, really small amount. Because I, I don't really use the molasses for the sweetness because molasses doesn't really have a lot of sweetness, even though it has a lot of sugar. It, it's got that. It's got a flavor that you can't recreate. If you don't put molasses in barbecue sauce, not going to taste like a good barbecue sauce. But it doesn't take much. Right. Yep. Now, I go to the right. grocery yep. store, and I'm even thinking like Famous Dave's. 
you know, I, I love their restaurants. I used to. They've gone downhill a lot. Um, I had a cookbook from him. I loved his recipes. Famous Dave's barbecue sauce in the grocery store, like 99% of all the barbecue sauces in the grocery store, the first ingredient, which tells you there's more of that than anything else, the first ingredient in barbecue sauce is high fructose corn syrup. High fructose corn syrup. Yep. High fructose cancer syrup. Yes. Exactly. Oh, that is just awful. <laughs> right. And why is we put it in everything today? It's hard to get well, away from the high fructose corn syrup. Well, here's what I don't understand. It, it, anything you're buying. Well, I, I get I, the only answer to this is just going to purely come back to cost because because nothing else makes sense at all. My barbecue sauce, if I actually make mine from scratch using tomatoes out of my garden, my first step is I make a no sugar ketchup. And the reason I do that is because okay. before I used to start from scratch, my barbecue sauce was really simple. A, a no sugar ketchup and, and no artificial sweeteners, just, just a ketchup with no sweeteners. There aren't that many on the market, but you can find them. Apple cider vinegar yep. and molasses. That is the base of a really good barbecue sauce. And then I like to put in a little heat, so I'll put different things in for heat. That's it. Those ingredients get canned. I can my own barbecue sauce. I make it in big batches. And I still have barbecue sauce that I made three years ago, and it's still good. So they don't put, you know, they say, well, they're preservatives. And well, why do we need preservatives? I have stuff lasting for three and four years. It being canned properly. So why did we ever need those yep. preservatives? And why do we have all those goofy ingredients in there? Why isn't commercial barbecue sauce, tomatoes, apple cider vinegar, some molasses, why isn't that what we can buy in a jar? So I'm going to blame this on the advent of what we call the alphabet agencies, the USDA, the FDA, all these things that are out there to, I'm using air quotes, to protect us from ourselves is we had all these things. We grew all these things. We made them at home that were healthier, that were better. Our health was better uh, because we were eating fresh, not processed, not chemicals. And so it's alphabet agencies that now started imposing all these regulations that about how foods are made and to mass produce them. You know, even go to a farmer's market and buy some locally made, locally sourced homemade type things that don't have the preservatives. Right. And you're going to get that taste that you remember from your childhood. But it's all of the USDA, FDA, uh, talk about all of the alphabets that have changed what we're allowed to put in, or we have to add this preservative, or we have to kill everything off with a bleach or some kind of sanitizer <laughs> to make it safe for us to eat. Is, you know, I, I grew up in the age, and it, this is where we date ourselves, too, of, you know, you're playing outside till the lights came on, and you're drinking out of the hose, and I played in dirt and then ran inside and ate with those same dirty hands. We ate the bacteria yes. from the soil, or like the, the uh, they call them HSOs or SBOs now, is homeostatic soil organisms or soil-based organisms. They're probiotics. Right. They're things that are naturally occurring in our soils that fed our immune system, that fed our probiotic, our, our normal gut flora. We came from the dirt. We're going back to the dirt someday. We are made of dirt, and probiotics are part of it. And this overprocessed, we take out all of these probiotics, 
all of by killing everything off, but now we've got to stop from bad pathogenic things growing in our foods. And that's where all the chemicals and all the sterilization and all of these pieces came from. And it's those alphabet agencies and the regulations. You know, we, we sell a good soil-based probiotic in our store from Environmentica. I, I believe in it, but I also tell people, look, skip the expensive probiotic and go play in the dirt and then eat without washing your hands. Yep. And then go make some sauerkraut. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. Eat fermented foods. We, we it, do a you know, ton of fermenting. You know, we use the pickle thing. Yeah, fermenting is amazing. Not only is it good for your health, but it actually helps to bring out some of the nutrients in the food. It actually helps to break down the food so it's easier for us to digest. So the pickled and fermented, uh, my, my best friend, Hippie Mike, um, I'm gonna, I, I throw Hippie Mike in my conversations all the time, used to say you have to eat at least one rotten food every day. And what he meant by that was a fermented food. Right. So a, a pickled or fermented food to support our probiotics. So, uh, you know, shout out to Hippie Mike for, you know, imparting that into me in my teenage years that, you know, we should eat a rotten food. Yeah. Like, I don't want to eat anything rotten. Oh, fermented. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and uh, that goes back into the immune system too. So it's—I I think everything what, goes back to the immune system and the GI tract. So you know, earlier we, you talked about butyric acid and butyrate. Isn't that also created by good gut bacteria? I know we can get it from butter, but isn't there gut bacteria that creates butyrate? I believe so. I think there is. I think that's one of the other ways we get it. I think it, yeah. there's a specific, so it, you you may not have the, the right mix of gut bacteria to be creating butyrate, but I believe we are supposed to have that mix. Yeah. Uh, fecal bacterium is a major butyrate producer in the human gut. I thought so. So it, there is one, yeah, so there are many, and now this is where using antibiotics kills <laughs> off some right. of those bacteria that are necessary for normal health. Yeah. So making butyric acid that we're getting from butter that we're making in our GI tract, but we kill it off with an antibiotic or we kill it off by all these over-processed chemical-laden foods now causing leaky gut syndrome, which now causes these beneficial bacteria to make their way into the body further they're great if they're in the GI tract, but once they get in to our normal circulation, now that's an infection. So everything has its place in the body. And when we start breaking down these barriers, which leads me back into the immune system again, breaking down the barriers is now allowing foreign organisms to go deeper into our body. And now this causes dis-ease. This is where we're causing the damage to our body and causing diseases because of even things that are considered normal going where they don't belong, so into an abnormal place. So this goes again back to normalizing the abnormal is, oh, it's normal to have this in our gut. Well, not really. Right. Or it's normal to have this amount in our blood. Well, not really. <laughs> you know, it's okay to have this much mercury in our seafood. Well, not really. <laughs> My, my response to that is, is always, you're using the incorrect word. I don't necessarily argue with the statement. All you have to do is replace one word. This has become common, yep. not normal. 
Exactly. And common doesn't mean normal Correct. or it doesn't mean regular or it doesn't right. mean healthy. Right. Just because it's, it's common. And that, that again leads back to that whole thing with the normalizing the abnormal and talking about the 1980s and changing our diet to meet the American standards. And I'll take this even back for, let's go back to the, you know, the 22 country study in Ansel Keys. The 50s. I think we talked about this previously too. Yeah. So, Ansel Keys did this 20 or was using the 22 country study, but he called it the seven country study because 15 <laughs> of the countries didn't agree with his hypothesis. So he threw out over two thirds of the information to create what is now the standard American diet in the food pyramid. It, it, not only that is not science. You know, not only did he he change the way people ate, generations of people now, we, we have never overcome what he started, but I think he also started a trend of use the data to show whatever the hell you want it to show. That's exactly it, is you can adjust the data. And so I've got a minor in math and statistics, and my one of my statistics professors said there's three types of lies in the world. There's the little lies the big fat lies, and then statistics. Yes. You can make the numbers say anything, anything you want. Yep. And if it doesn't agree with what you want it to say, change it, change your, um, change the model, change your N Criteria. score or your right. F score or your T score or right. use an ANOVA instead of an F or a T score. Or, and suddenly, Hey, wait, it does say this or because you just altered the data or ignore the 15 inputs that don't agree with what you were hoping it would say. <laughs> Yeah, ignore all the, you know, confounding variables and everything that didn't agree with what you say. And just, no, it's this way and trust the science. Oops, I I said that out loud. (laughs) No, you don't trust the science. Science is not static. Science is a methodology. You don't trust the science. The key to science is not trusting. Correct. You go out and you question everything you test everything, you come up with a hypothesis, you come up with a theory, you come up with a test. If it says, does what it believes, you're good. If it doesn't, you don't change the science, you change your theory. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, it's right. mind-blowing. That, and yeah, I, I'm not going to go there right now with that. You, you knew where I was heading. <laughs> I do. But I'm going to go there right now. Yeah, let, let's, um, let's get to what... Uh, what we've done here with Sovereign Silver, and, and we're releasing some stuff today. We have some specials. Let's, let's talk about some of the uh, the immune kits. Yeah, so I hugely want to talk about the immune support. So immune is so important in everything we've been talking about. And I, I believe the last call we talked about this is when's the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Not today, not in the spring, but 20 years ago because you want a big, healthy tree. It's shade, it's wood. Same with the immune system. You want to support your immune system all the time. Immune isn't seasonality, like we started this conversation with. It's There are seasonalities because of changes in how we move, but we should support our immune system all the time from our barrier system. Our skin is our first line of defense, the saliva in our mouth. Our stomach acid is part of our immune system because it's protecting us from the outside world. So we're constantly being exposed to all types of different organisms, both helpful for us, but also pathogenic for us. 
but it's about stopping those pathogenics from getting further in, whether we're talking about the integumentary system, the skin, so we're talking skin health. Here's where we can talk about first aid gel. Why not heal those things up so infections don't go deeper? Or even our skincare gel on a daily basis. The sport, how about dry cracking skin as the weather gets cooler or as we are heating houses more. Uh, it's now snowing up in upstate New York and Montana. I've seen pictures that snow is happening. So that means wood stoves and heaters and furnaces are coming out and drying, cracking skin. How about drying of our nasal passages? How about a nasal spray to cleanse your nose or to heal up your nose? So there are so many different ways that silver can be beneficial. So a nasal spray, amazing to help heal the nose while also, and I, I might've said this last time, is we wash our hands when they get dirty. Why don't we rinse our nose when we're around sick people? So using a nasal spray to thin the mucus to get the pathogenic bacteria out, supporting our health all the time. And it's not just about a seasonality, it's about supporting it year round. So I think you might have a couple of bundles there, don't you, Kevin? We do. We've, uh, silver? Yeah, we've got a couple things going on. So any um, of the Sovereign products at all, we're doing 20% off. I mean, that's a big one just to kick everybody off for the, for the uh, build your immune system season. And then one of the things we like to do, and I, I want to go make sure I get all the right details on this, uh, I actually stole this idea. I'm almost embarrassed to say where I got the idea, but I figured I might as well get something good out of McDonald's. I stole this idea from McDonald's. So it, it, we don't have to go back all that far um, with fast food. McDonald's might have been one of the first where you just ordered stuff off of a menu. You know, you ordered a hamburger and then right. you could get some fries. Maybe you'd get a milkshake or maybe you'd get a Coke or whatever. Um, and then they got smart and they started building meals. Just order a number two. Yep. Make it easy. And, right. and really, not that I like the food, but the concept was good. I, I don't want to have to think about this. Exactly. It, you, you've got right well, there actually, what let, I want. Let's go back further. Go ahead. Yep. We can go back further to Henry Ford. Henry Ford ah, right. came up with the assembly line. And that's where McDonald's got the idea was it was Henry Ford and the assembly line for building cars McDonald's converted that into fast food and that assembly line of making foods. Yeah, and then making meals. So you don't even have to think mm -hmm. about what you want to order. Just order this. Just order the number seven. And you, you get exactly what you want. You don't have to think about it. And, you know, I got looking at our supplements, and, and we're not huge on supplements. I mean, to me, that the, the word is what it is. It, your diet is your primary line of defense and nutrients and and we supplement that diet if we need to we'd rather not but we realize pretty quickly if you want to be healthy in today's world you're going to have to supplement i i'm, I'm just a firm believer right. in that now is that we can't get all of the best nutrition out of our diet no matter how hard we try and i got looking at our supplements and they could be confusing you know, it started with our digestive supplements. There are so many things that can go wrong with your digestive system, and each one of them required a different nutrient to fix. And it got really confusing. And I said, look, let, 
we could make this easier. We would group our digestive problems into a common theme. Um, If somebody's been on PPOs for years, we know what's wrong with their digestive system and we know what nutrients will fix it. And we put together a kit. If you've been on PPIs and you want to get off of them, we have a protocol to get you off the PPI and rebuild your stomach acid. And you don't have to try to think, well, I need these enzymes and I need that acid. And it, we do it for you. Here's the kit. And it works and it's easy. So we have now done that with the Sovereign products. We now have silver starter kits and we have... Uh, let me see. We've got a couple here. Uh, we have the... Why isn't this working? Oh, there we go. The pet kit, which is awesome, because we want to take care of our uh, furry friends as well. So we have... Our furry family as well. Yeah, so we, we have an immune kit, we have an essential kit, and we have a pets kit. They're all built around your products. And they are all kind of customized, so you don't really have to think about it. If you're just getting started, you might want to use the essentials. If you're really uh, focused on building your immune system, get the immune kit. Uh, If you want to make sure your pets stay healthy right now and and all the time, um, the pet products are awesome too. Yeah, definitely. So there's so many ways that these products can be used together. And I often talk about point of foci. So use it where you need it. So if we're talking about ear health, you want to put it in an ear. If you're talking about nose health, you want to put it in your nose. But a good immune kit is going to support your oral, your systemic, your nasal passages, everything that might be exposed to any pathogenic bacteria. So you want to support it. Uh, I'm guessing in the uh, immune kit, you've got a nasal spray and probably some oral and maybe um, maybe a fine mist spray in there together. Yep, that's so what's in there. Is so, Im- so important to get that combination. And you don't want to just treat one little part. You want to treat the whole body. And this is I go back to all the time is treat the whole person. And it's not just about treating when you are sick. It's about pre-gaming for being sick. So it's about taking it and preparing. Again, when's the best time to plant a tree? Years ago, <laughs> when's the best time to take your health is before you get sick. You know, you I know, is the best time to take care of yourself. I, I've got a story about this completely anecdotal, but uh, I, I, it wasn't a coincidence. You know, I, I was really sick every year as a kid, horribly sick every flu and cold season, every winter I would get everything that came around. And as an adult, and, you know, I I thought I was eating better. I mean, I was still basically eating the standard American diet. The difference is I loved to cook, so most of my food was at least made from ingredients. Now, there was a lot of ingredients I probably shouldn't have been using that weren't good for my health, but there was not a lot of processed, prepackaged food. And as an adult, I started not getting sick as often. You know, I might go three or four years and then something would happen and I'd get, you know, pretty sick. When I changed the way I lived and ate in my early 50s, I went eight years, never got a thing. I was around sick people constantly. Every now and then I would go, oh boy, I'm getting it. I'd wake up the next morning and it'd be gone. And in my mind, that was, you were exposed to it. 
you started to feel the effects mm-hmm. and your immune system beat it. Right. And so that was my experience for eight years. The last, I'm on a, uh, I'm on a road trip right now. I'm actually in Nashville. I've been on the road for two or three weeks now and I've got a couple more weeks to go. The last time I did a trip like this and I'll, while I'm on the road, I'll be doing events. I, I'm speaking at a big conference tomorrow. I've got a three-day conference this week. I've got another three-day conference next week. And then I've got meetings. The last time I did this, I don't know what I was thinking. I just thought, you know, I, I'm going to be out on the road. Everything changes. I'm going to try something. I'm going to drop all my daily supplements. You know, I have some daily supplements that I've been taking for the Cardio Miracle. It's a, a, just a really good heart health supplement I really like. Um, our light balance, which is a daily mineral uh, and vitamin D. Those are like my three big. And, and this was back then. Those are like the three that I would just take every day, no matter what. And I said, yeah, I'm just going to stop all that. What if what maybe I just don't need any supplements whatsoever? That was a mistake. It was the first time in eight years I got really, really sick. It wasn't COVID, but I got something that just knocked me out for about four days. And I had to fight back hard. And I, I don't believe it was a coincidence. I completely agree with you. Is it's, it's you you weaken the immune system that little bit. Your body gets so used to getting that supplement and being able to defend itself, and then suddenly you're not getting the nutrition. Uh, if you're also traveling on the road, you're not necessarily eating as healthy as you normally do at home too. You're, so you're changing the environment. You're changing the foods. Um, I, I'm assuming you're eating pretty healthy while you're traveling hey, still. The interesting but thing, now, the, not so much last mm-hmm. trip. This trip, I actually eat healthier when I'm on the road. And I do it because I know oh, wow. I need to. I, I like double down yeah. on how strict I am with my eating this time. Because I, 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 I've got a big, I'm doing a big keynote speech. I want to be sharp for that. So... You know, the funny thing is, when I, when I say double down, I actually either go deeper into ketosis or I, or I go more carnivore. I feel better. My brain gets sharper. Uh-huh. I start, I have more energy. Um, it, it's really kind of incredible, but there's actually a downside for me to do this. Um, I probably, well, it's a good thing I brought a couple belts because when I do this, weight starts falling off and I don't want to lose any more weight. I, I, I like where my weight right. was. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like, I know I tend to, when I travel, I kind of slack off a little bit because it's your, you're meeting with people and you're having dinners. And uh, so I get off my diet a little bit when I travel. So I'm always trying to be really good about the supplements when I'm traveling. And silver is the one thing I take with me, no matter where I go, I take my multi with me and I always have silver with me because I know I'm going to be exposed to things. And uh, I worked, uh, I actually was working in a grocery store around the public. The power went off. It reset. Um, The good news is I believe everything should be on the recording. We, we are back live now. Uh, I did not realize we had a, we had a quick power outage during the show that reset my audio board. Uh, so we had a little bit of a break there, but what I didn't realize was the audio board did not, it came back on, but it didn't reconnect to our sound system. Uh, we got that fixed. Um, that's, I guess that's why I don't have any calls. Uh, I was just about to end the destination health show. We've been doing it for the last 20 minutes. You just haven't been hearing us. Uh, we are here live. 
I will wait about a minute or two to see if we get any calls. And if we do, I will stay and take them. If not, we will wrap this up for today. This is my last show of the week. Uh, So even though it's a Wednesday, I'll give you an opportunity right now for any kind of call at all. We'll uh, we'll wrap up the day with a free-for-all. If you've got any question at all, pick up the phone, call me now. I'll take it. And then uh, when we wrap up today, that's going to be it for the week. I've got... um, The FreightWaves conference kicks off tomorrow. I'll be doing my keynote tomorrow night. I've got, I don't know, I've got a whole list of things I'm going to be doing at the conference now. So I told David to keep me busy, and he listened. And it's like every day I think he adds something new, which is good. I'd much rather be busy if I'm going to be there. Uh, I don't see any calls coming in, so it looks like... We're going to wrap this up. Let me take a look. I really didn't have any notes today because we had a guest. Um, And mostly my mind right now is on everything I've got going. I've got two conferences back to back. Um, I'll be leaving the uh, NASDAQ conference here in Nashville and heading down to the FreightWaves F3 conference in Chattanooga. And then I'll be heading down to Destin for a meeting. Then I will be back up to Nashville again for another event. Uh, So it looks like this is turning into an extended road trip again. We will see you back here on Monday. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.